Hello, I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to this podcast homily for Second Sunday After Trinity, the third in a series of 26 revised homilies for Trinity season. Listeners may benefit from the companion AIC seasonal video series, Trinity Tide, the Teaching Season, presented in nine episodes, each linked from the digital library page, with podcast versions linked from the podcast archive page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The series offers a brief history of the evolution of Whitsunday Pentecost and Trinity seasons, Anglican traditions of Whitsunday and Trinity, including the seasonal color and fasting traditions, commentary on the collect epistle and gospel readings for Whitsunday Pentecost, for Trinity Sunday, and all 24 Sundays after Trinity and Sunday next before Advent in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. The Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Second Sunday after Trinity are discussed in Episode 2. The Epistle reading for Second Sunday after Trinity, 1 John 3, 13-24, is St. John offering more teaching on both the Christian virtue of love but also on its variation, the New Commandment message, which is also heard directly in the words of Jesus, only in St. John's Gospel in John 13, verse 34 and 35. St. John's likely target readers were his followers in the region of Ephesus near the end of the first century, where John had served as the equivalent of the modern rank of bishop. He begins by reminding readers that by Jesus' sacrificial death upon the cross, death in the earthly sense had been defeated by his offer of eternal life for the faithful in the kingdom of the Father. For St. John in this pericope, as in his gospel and in his other epistles, the key concept is love based upon the Greek agape, unconditional love such as the love God had for his children, demonstrating in his sending of his only begotten Son to die for mankind upon the cross. But St. John wisely counseled there must be more than just the speaking of kind words and quotations from Scripture. He writes in 1 John 3.18, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. St. John wrote in his Gospel of Jesus' speaking of the new commandment to love one another in John 13 34, 35, and also of the virtue of being willing to lay down one's life for their friends in John 15, verse 13. But here again he provides further guidance on how to accomplish such difficult tasks. In the quote, the word abide, or dwelleth in the King James Version, is from the Greek meno, a term Jesus used in his final discourse with the disciples on Maundy Thursday, as recounted in John 15, verses 9 to 10. Meno here means not a literal dwelling place, but a spiritual relationship with God. Traditional teaching, largely based on John's gospel and epistles, is that the Spirit abides after baptism in the heart of the faithful. 
he writes, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit which he has given us. The Gospel reading for Second Sunday after Trinity is Luke 14, verses 16 to 24, the parable of the Great Supper, which is also recounted by St. Matthew in Matthew 22, 1 to 14. The man in the story has invited many to his feast, telling all to, quote, come for all things are now ready. Luke tells us that right from the beginning, the invitees began to make their excuses. The first said he could not come because he had bought a new piece of land, which needed inspection. Another one said he could not come because he had just bought five oxen and needed to break them in under the yoke. The third invitee sent his regrets, saying that he had just married and had other duties. In the parable, the master of the feast was angry. He bade his servants to go into, quote, the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the limping, and the blind. His servant reported that this had been done, but still few had come, leaving a lot of vacant seats at the feast. Now the master was really angry. He sent out his man into the, quote, highways and hedges to compel them to come that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now many modern Christian church thinkers and scholars will tell you not to make allegories from the literal meaning of the words of the Bible. But if you do not see the parable of the Great Supper as an allegorical message, you are missing the entire point of the story. Otherwise, it is just a story about a wealthy man whose vanity shone through when he was rejected by those he had invited to his party. Two writers from the early church thought they understood the true meaning of the parable. The first was St. Cyril of Alexandria, who explained that the refusal to attend represented a rejection of the Lord's offer of adoption of mankind as his children and the forgiveness of sins through Jesus' death and the consequent cleansing away of all defilement. St. Cyril was also certain that those who refused to come were the scribes and Pharisees who denied the divinity of Jesus and that the, quote, streets and lanes and highways and hedges meant the non-Jewish people of the world, at that time commonly called the Gentiles. The second early church writer who understood, who undertook to explain the parable was St. Ambrose of Milan, mentor of St. Augustine of Hippo, or St. Augustine as I pronounce it. St. Ambrose observed that the words of the parable mean that being disabled or poor out of favor socially is not an obstacle to admission to the kingdom of heaven. As we hear in this parable in today's reading, it is just as true as it was in the first century that, quote, all things are ready for the faithful. Those who choose the path of the Lord will be rewarded. 
Those who reject his invitation will not taste of his supper in the kingdom of the Father. And just as in the first century, we know that some will accept and some will not. As St. John made clear in the final verses of the epistle reading, our duty as Christians is to live according to the commandments and teachings of the Lord, our conduct giving witness for the Lord. This is the true meaning of evangelism. You must witness the teachings in your own daily life, carrying to others the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this podcast homily for Second Sunday after Trinity are available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. Seasonal videos and Christian education videos are linked from the digital library page, Bible study videos from the Bible study page, and the podcast versions of all three from the podcast archive page. Information about AIC bookstore publications mentioned hereafter is available through the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the home page. First on our list is New Testament Gospels, an AIC Bible study video series in 45 episodes. From the Gospel of St. John, Jesus' use of the Greek term meno, meaning abide, is discussed in episode 35. The Lives of the Saints, a Christian education video series in multiple episodes in two series. From the first series, St. John is the focus of episode 4 and Luke of episode 14. In the second series, Ambrose of Milan is the focus of episode 4, Augustine of Hippo of episode 20, Archbishop Cranmer in episode 28. In our series, The Twelve Days of Christmas, with a theological theme word or phrase for each of the twelve days from Christmas through January 5th, the theme word for first day of Christmas, December 25th, is love. Love is also the theme of the podcast homilies for Christmas Day, for third Sunday in Advent, and with a slightly different approach, fourth Sunday in Advent. In Layman's Lexicon, an AIC bookstore publication, I call to your attention the entries for Baptism, Commandments, Allegory, Love-slash-Loving, Parable, Virtues, and finally, Witness. And lastly, from another AIC publication, Hear Us, O Lord, Daily Prayers for the Laity, The book includes prayers for all the daily hours from first hour 6 a.m. to Compline, including the sixth prayer and third hour, which was read in the first, uh, will be read in a moment in the first closing prayer. The first closing prayer for second Sunday after Trinity is the sixth prayer for Anglican third hour, an adaptation of a fourth century liturgical prayer used in the Syrian Jacobite church. The second is the Collect for Second Sunday After Trinity, which Archbishop Cranmer adapted for the 1549 Book of Common Prayer from the Gelasian Sacramentary of the Roman Catholic Church in England. Grant us, O Lord God, the knowledge of thy divine words, and fill us with the understanding of thy holy gospel and the riches of thy divine gifts and the indwelling of thy Holy Spirit 
and give us joy to keep thy commandments and accomplish them and fulfill thy will and to be accounted worthy of the blessings and the mercies that are from thee now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. O Lord, who never failest to help and govern those whom thou dost bring up in thy steadfast fear and love, keep us, we beseech thee, under the protection of thy good providence, and make us to have a perpetual fear and love of thy holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.